From APM, American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. First off, a word of warning. This podcast contains language that some listeners might find offensive. James H. Meredith is formally enrolled at the University of Mississippi, ending one chapter in the federal government's efforts to desegregate the university. The town of Oxford is an armed camp following riots that accompany the registration of the first Negro in the university's 118-year history. In 1962, James Meredith launched a one-man crusade to integrate one of the great bastions of segregation in the South, the University of Mississippi, also known as Old Miss. Angry whites rioted on the campus, and President John F. Kennedy's administration sent in federal marshals and U.S. Army troops to restore order. The violence at Ole Miss became a salient moment in the American civil rights struggle. Meredith graduated from the university with a political science degree, and he later studied law at Columbia University. James Meredith has written a book about his experience at Ole Miss and his life as a social activist. It is called A Mission from God. James Meredith and his co-author, William Doyle, join me on the podcast this week. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. My pleasure. So, Mr. Meredith, the story of the showdown at Old Miss has been told by a variety of people, including William Doyle, your co-author, who wrote a book about it called American Insurrection. What was it in your telling of the story that you wanted to accomplish or you wanted to set straight? It really wasn't about Old Miss. It was about America and the South and Mississippi. And the whole story needed to be told. And Mr. Doyle, from your perspective, what does this particular narrative help us understand that we didn't understand before? I think, in, in, in my personal opinion, uh, the story of James Meredith proves the true meaning of American citizenship, and it shows that some things are worth risking your life for, in James Meredith's case, a good education. Mr. Meredith, you write that you returned to your native state of Mississippi in 1960 to wage war against white supremacy and that your initial target was Ole Miss. This was obviously a difficult and dangerous thing for an African-American man to do in 1960. What led you to do it? I spent nine years in the United States military, and every day I was conscious of my reason for being there, to protect the rights and freedoms of democracy. But when I made my first visit home to visit my mother, when we got to the Mississippi River, the Greyhound bus driver came to the back and pulled down a curtain, a black curtain, and said, all you niggers, get behind that black curtain. It didn't take a genius to figure out that I wasn't enjoying all those rights and privileges. And when I got out of the military nine years later, my mission was exactly the same. I was the same soldier. And soldiers, what they do is kill enemies. And so your enemy became, as you say, white supremacy. Absolutely. Not just one place, but everywhere. As is clear in a mission from God, every state in the Union played an equal part in keeping the black in slavery and more particularly in segregation after slavery, which actually was worse than slavery. Uh, it cannot be blamed on Mississippi. Every American played an equal part. Mr. Doyle, how important was desegregating schools and universities in the fight 
for equal rights in this country, especially uh, as the fight was taken to the South? Well, uh, in 1960, there were three holy temples of white supremacy. The first was the United States Capitol building, which was under the control of segregationists and their collaborators, which was practically everyone in Congress at that time. The second was the White House, which was a completely a tool of segregationist collaboration. And the third was the University of Mississippi, which symbolically was on a par with the tomb of Robert E. Lee in, in the sense of it being a sacred temple of, of white supremacy. James Meredith involved the first two, and another uh, component, the Supreme Court, actually. He bent them to his will, the president, the Supreme Court, the governor of Mississippi, and the laws of the United States passed by Congress, and he entered the University of Mississippi in 1962 with a court order and 30,000 American combat troops traveling behind him. James Meredith and Martin Luther King used to have very spirited debates over nonviolence. And James Meredith believed it was a tactic that was inapplicable to Mississippi, and he saw the need for vigorous legal suits against uh, segregation backed by the threat of overwhelming physical force delivered by combat troops. It was a radical strategy there, but it proved most effective in the Battle of uh, Oxford, Mississippi in 62. Mr. Doyle, you spent a long time researching uh, the insurrection, as you've called it, at Old Miss. I'm curious, in working on this book now with James Meredith, this new book, what did you learn about that history that surprised you? What's amazing to me is that James Meredith has always been insulted by the idea of being a civil rights hero. He hates that. He's made very clear to me in 15 years talking to him because it places him in a box created by the media and historians and lazy writers, I think, in in many cases, uh, where he becomes transfigured and he serves a political purpose and he uh, he is not in control of, of the imagery. His imagery is of a young black man storming the holiest temple of white supremacy in America in 1962, doing it legally and doing it in a way that no one had tried before or since, with the exception of Little Rock, which was kind of a test case for this kind of a military exercise. James Meredith was a general, he was a soldier, and as he'll tell you, he's really a warrior, and he was on a mission from God, and he's on a mission from God today when it comes to education, too. Well, let's talk about that mission, uh, that contemporary mission, Mr. Meredith. Uh, Tell me what your strategy is here. Your, Your aim is to improve American public schools. Mississippi deliberately destroyed the black education institution, and it has remained destroyed. And uh, uh, everybody who know anything know exactly what I'm talking about. I think you're talking about in the 1960s the fact that as the Supreme Court ruling to integrate the schools was was being carried out in Mississippi, uh, many white families pulled their children out of the public schools and created not sort many, of a parallel not system. Many, not many, for all practical purposes, all. And they built all of the academies. They retained the white education institution through the public schools where you had few or no blacks and the private academies, and the blacks were left with nothing. But God tells me we are capable of rebuilding our people. And your mission now is to improve public education, not just in Mississippi, but across the country. 
So what do you think some of the first steps are that, that need to be taken? Have you come up with some solutions? Oh, absolutely. Every black church in Mississippi should take responsibility for every child born within two miles of every church. The first step is to find every child five years and younger and start keeping a record of every child. The purpose of the Ten Commandments is to rebuild a broken people. The black race is a broken people, and we have to rebuild from the ground up. And I feel very sure I know a lot of the people know what I'm talking about. But they haven't seen how to get it done. But I thank God going to show us today. William Doyle, um, James Meredith has taken to a 21st century technology to help in this campaign for improvement of public schools, and that's Facebook. Can you tell us a bit about that endeavor? James Meredith recently issued a challenge of 21 questions that every American citizen should require their elected officials and education officers, uh, officials to address. These 21 questions are national in terms, number one, of how are misguided education reforms allowed to become nationally applicable where tens of billions of dollars are spent against these reforms when there's not yet any evidence, any clear patterns of evidence in their favor? That's one uh, line of questioning uh, Mr. Meredith has. Another one is, for example, when schools are being closed, teachers are being fired by the thousands, how can billions of dollars be flooded into buying new iPads, which will be obsolete in two years, where there's no clear pattern of academic benefit for the general population of students under the high school level yet. That's not to say that technology is not a magnificent educational tool, but James Meredith has realized two things. One is that the entire education debate today is about money, not evidence. And number two, Parents, and most teachers, in fact, have been locked out of the discussion. James Meredith has said that every citizen, tax-paying American citizen, whether or not they have children in the public schools, should literally storm and enter the school board meetings, ask these 21 questions of every bureaucrat and politician in America, and if they don't have answers, we should withhold our support from them because we all have to work together and we have to base our work, Steve, on evidence not politics, not orthodoxy, and not unproven theories. That's the great insight that James Meredith has identified to me, and increasingly people around America are picking up on that. Well, William Doyle and Mr. James Meredith, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. James Meredith is the author of A Mission from God, an autobiography that includes his account of being the first African-American to attend the University of Mississippi. He spoke from Jackson, Mississippi. He co-wrote the book with author William Doyle, who joined me this week from New York. You can find a link to James Meredith's Facebook page dedicated to improving American education, and you can get there by visiting our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. You can like us on Facebook at American.RadioWorks and follow us on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the Spencer Foundation, Lumina Foundation, and the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.